<laughs> morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. And um, if you visit us today, then you're really welcome. My name is Matthew, if we haven't met before, and hope you're enjoying being with us. Hi to everyone watching online. Hope you're having a good uh, morning so far. Okay, so I've got a little clip to start uh, off this morning, and it's, it's, a ra- it's a clip off the radio, so uh, just have to listen to it. And um, it's from Greg James on Radio 1, and it's a few years back, he used to have this feature where people could ring in, and they had this answer phone machine, and people could leave their complaints and the things that annoyed them, uh, you know, it was light, uh, on the answer phone machine, and it would be recorded, and then they'd play them out on the radio, and they would chat about them and see if they relate and that kind of thing. So I remember I was driving home one day, and this one came on, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting one. So I recorded it. And uh, this is like five years later, I'm finally getting to use it. So, pretty plain about Have a little listen, see what you think. Here we go. If you could put it, play for me, V. Next up on today's Rage Against the Answer Machine, this person. This is what annoys me. People who say, are you free? And don't tell you what for. So don't just say, are you free on Wednesday? I might be free, but it depends what you want. I'm not free if you want me to come and help you sort out your rubbish, but I'll be free if you're like, doing something fun. And it's just annoying because then you're asking me to commit before I know what I'm getting myself in for. Don't just say, are you free on Wednesday night? You have to say, are you free to do this? Ah! Hmm. Now, I don't relate to this. I do. Do you? Yeah. I think the people that relate to this are flaky. Quite possibly. Because... My friend, uh, who will remain, remain nameless, is terrible for doing this. So Jack, basically, he, uh, if I say, hey, are you free tonight? And he'll be like, oh, what for? Yeah. And depending on what it's for, but it could be, it, either way, it's but you do hanging do out with me. You do that, don't you? You're like, you're doing anything tonight? It's like, well, you know, I'm, I might be doing something tonight. Why is it... Depends what you want me to do with you. Oh, sorry. It might be well, something rubbish. All right, well, well, pencil me in, yeah. and then if a better offer comes along, then do that. Yeah. No, yeah. that's not how friendships work. Well, sometimes, you know, better offers do come in. Sometimes staying at home is a better offer. Depends what you've got in mind, doesn't it? You are never getting the invite out. Why? Are you free tonight? It's either yes or no. No, it's not, not though. Oh, it depends how much fun... What, what have you got planned? Yeah, is it good Why enough? does it have to be me that plans it all the time, yeah? You free tonight? Might be. Hmm. Next. There we go. So, I want to ask you, hands up, if you relate to that one. If Christy asks anyone, though, if they're free this week, you definitely want to say yes. You're going bowling, ice cream, you know, guaranteed to have a good time. So anyway, I thought it was an interesting clip, isn't it? Very interesting. Now, today, as we carry on with our series, uh, looking at In His Presence, we're looking at a little story in the life of Moses and the Israelites, and a moment where they faced a similar choice. And it raised the question of, in their relationship with God, were they in it for the friendship with God, for his presence, for his purpose, to be with him, to be together, to do life together? Or did they just want the fun things? Were they just in it for maybe the blessings that result from it? What were they really after? So a little bit of background. The Israelites, they'd been slaves in Egypt. 
They had been oppressed by Pharaoh, and they'd been there for a long time until God rescues them in a miraculous way, and he sends Moses to lead them out, and now they're on their way to the promised land, having been rescued. And this was a promise that God had made to their ancestors, Abraham, years and years before, that he, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to turn you into a great nation, and through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And it's like the beginning of God's rescue plan for the world. And so as the Israelites journey through the desert, they come to this place called Mount Sinai, and in this place, God reaffirms that promise with this generation. And the people together with Moses, they enter into a covenant relationship with God. So in some ways, a covenant relationship is a bit like a marriage where, you know, they've come together committing themselves to one another. And this is what God says to them. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, You will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine, even Swansea, Christian Wales, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, this summer is 10 years since London hosted the Olympics, and here's some pictures of our very own Cornerstone Olympics, which we had. Now, can you believe us 10 years ago? Now, um... When the Olympics or the World Cup is on, it's an event for the world, isn't it? You know, and everyone gets excited about it. Uh, But all the different cities and nations, they all apply to be like the host nation. Everyone wants that privilege to be able to host it for the world and for everyone to come to them and for them to put it on. And I remember when London won the bid to host the Olympics, how exciting it was and how, you know, everyone was going crazy and everyone was celebrating and looking forward to hosting the Olympics. And it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And some of you in this room today, unfortunately, you weren't born (laughs) or you were like one or two years old. So maybe in your lifetime you'll get another chance. There's hope. Maybe Cardiff get a turn one day. Who knows? Anyway, in a similar way, but something far more important, it's like the Israelites here are being chosen to be God's host nation for his plan and his rescue for the world. God is doing something for the whole world to bring everyone back into relationship with him. And here he chooses them to be like his host nation. Number one, they get to host God's presence. And do you remember a few weeks ago, Sean and Julian and Sarah in their talks, they talked about how God instructed them to build a tabernacle uh, and they had the Ark of the Covenant and they were to build these things which were to represent God's presence with them on earth and all the artistry and the imagery that went into it, it, it showed how it was like heaven on earth, that God wanted heaven and earth to be one and for him to be united with his people and he told them to put this right in the middle right in the middle of the community, right at the heart, so everyone knows that God is with them and this is God's heart and desire for us to be with them. And then also, we see here how God says to them, I want you to be for me a kingdom of priests. And he 
gives them this calling to be a nation of priests. Now, immediately when we think of that, we think of like a nation of, uh, you know, the Vicar of Dibley and people in dog collars walking around. But that's not what God means here. That's not what it means. A priest is someone who connects people to God, is someone who represents God to people and represents people back to God. And God says to them, I want you to be like a nation of priests. I want you to represent me to the world and help me bring the world back to me because I want to be with people. And what what an amazing privilege that God gives them that he says, I want you to be my partners in what I'm doing in the world. Me and Precious, we've been watching The Apprentice over the last few weeks. I don't know if anyone's been watching it. And um, I think they've been, (laughs) I was going to say they've been particularly useless this year, but I don't know if that's, (laughs) but anyway, it's very funny. Anyway, They're all competing to be Alan Sugar's business partner. They want to partner with him. But here God says to the nation, I want to partner with you. And he pulls them out. They didn't even have to apply, but he wants to partner with them. But let's just pause here for a moment. This is an amazing privilege. But if we fast forward to today, that's our calling That's our calling. As followers of Jesus, we are called to represent Jesus wherever we go. And we have the privilege of partnering with him to bring his love and his grace and his message and his goodness and his healing into our world, into our circle, into our spheres. I love the stories that Chloe was sharing this morning. This is how Peter put it in a letter to churches that he wrote. He explained it to them like this. He said, but you are a chosen people You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So in your office or in your classroom or in your housemate at uni, with your housemates at uni or in your team or in your family, you are a priest in that place. You represent them to God and God to them. And this is the amazing role that God has called you into. Isn't that fantastic? Now, just the other week, I went along to Alpha, when we, the new one that we started, went to the first week with a friend. And I was chatting to another guy uh, who was there. And he was telling me how he ended up coming along. And he said that he knew Zoe from work. And that, you know, some weeks back, uh, they'd been chatting. And she noticed that he had a big cross-like tattoo on his arm. And so she asked him about it and said, oh, you know, it's got you know, a big cross tattoo. Like, what does that mean to you? Do you, you know, have a faith or does it mean anything important? And he began to share why he got it. And he said, oh, well, you know, I do believe in God, but, you know, I've got a lot of questions and different things. And then Zoe began to share about, you know, her faith and knowing Jesus and the difference he's made in her life and, and about being a part of church. And, and over the weeks when they would, they went to, you know, just right, bump into each other at work and things, they would chat and they would share until eventually he came in one week and he said, to Zoe, have you heard of something called Alpha? I really want to go on an Alpha course. And so he's like, well, great. Come, come to one with me. Isn't that fantastic? So let's continue to know what God has called us to wherever we are. That's really important. So anyway, the Israelites have this amazing calling to be God's like host nation. And in return, this is what they say back. They say to God, the people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. And then God shares with them the terms of the covenant, almost like the marriage vows, where they commit themselves to one another and what this partnership is going to look like and what it would be like in practice. And that included the Ten Commandments. 
And one of those, you know, the first one is that God is to be their God and they have to have no other gods but him. And then the second one is for them not to make idols because there's a lot of idol worship in the surrounding nations. And then, and, you know, there's more than that. There's 10 plus, as you know. And so anyway, at this moment, God is, uh, sorry, Moses is meeting with God on the mountain. He's getting this download from God about all the things that they're going to do together. Meanwhile, at the foot of the mountain, this is what happens next. Let's have a look together. It says this. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, I mean, he'd been there like 40 days, I think. So, you know, it's long, it's not that long. They gathered around Aaron, that was Moses' brother, and he was helping to lead. They gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had, what they'd handed him, and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Oh my gosh. So Within days, within days, the nation, they break their covenant. They betray their vows. And this, this is not good. And this is not a good start at all. And so over the next couple of chapters in Exodus, we see how we have this dialogue between God and Moses about, well, what happens now? You know, what do you do now? What happens next? And you know, what's really amazing about this is the way that God invites Moses into the conversation, and it shows his, God's commitment to people, his commitment to partner with people, and that's his heart and his desire. And he brings Moses into the conversation. It's really fascinating. Today, I just want to zoom in onto one little part in the middle. Maybe you can go home and read the whole story later, but this one little part where it says this, as they're going back and forth, God and Moses, about what's going to happen next. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give you, the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. And I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might consume you on the way. Strong words, okay? We'll get to that in a minute. So, God here in his faithfulness, even though they broke the covenant, says to them, I'm still going to give you the promised land. I'm still going to give you that, a land flowing with milk and honey. Amazing. I'm going to bless you with it as I promised, because of my promise. And not only that, I'm going to send an angel ahead of you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to protect you, and he's going to lead you into this blessing which I promised you. But my presence is not going to go with you. That calling to be my host nation, that intimate presence and relationship that I want with you, and how you're going to represent me as my nation of priests. The way you're living, I can't put my name to that. My presence won't go with you. And this passage here, this whole passage, 
It points towards the rescue of Jesus. The rescue of Jesus. Like God's desire is for relationship with people because he loves us and he wants to partner with us. And God wants heaven and earth to be one and for us to have eternal life with him. But throughout the Bible, we see how humanity turned from God, went their own way. And this here is one example. And when God says here, you're a stiff-necked people, that came from what they would call an animal. You know, they were like trying to plow an animal and it, it wouldn't go in partnership and it wouldn't go down the line, but it was like stiff-necked. It was going its own way. And the consequences of when humanity has turned from God, it's what the Bible calls sin. It's destructive. It's destructive in our lives and in others. And God is a holy and loving and perfect God. He wants heaven and earth to be one, but they're incompatible. It's incompatible with sin because it ruins and it breaks and it destroys. But fortunately, this isn't the end of the story because God doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on people, but he came into the world himself as a man, Jesus. And Jesus, as a man, lived a sinless life. He lived in perfect relationship with God, and he he never was stiff-necked and rebelled and went his own way, but he lived a perfect life. And ultimately, when Jesus was arrested and betrayed by a friend, arrested and killed out of jealousy and anger by the Romans and the religious leaders. He died on the cross, but Jesus had done nothing wrong himself. He was an innocent man. And so in that, he took all the wrong of the world onto himself. The things that we have done wrong and ever will do wrong in our lives, he took it onto himself as our representative. And Jesus died in the place of humanity, in the place of me and you, so we could receive freedom and forgiveness. And in return, Jesus gives to us What the Bible says is his righteousness, his perfection, where he was innocent, he clothes us in his innocence and gives it as a gift to us. And Jesus, having done nothing wrong, it says, oh, God raised him to life again. And Jesus conquered death and the power of sin in our world. And he was raised to life and he's alive now in heaven. And one day he will return and bring heaven and heaven and earth will be one again. And he invites us to join him in that. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. It's a free gift for each and every one of us. And when we put our faith in Jesus for our lives, we make him our representative. And we put the things that we've done wrong on him. And in return, we receive the gift of his innocence, of his welcome, and of the gift of eternal life. And he is, that's why he says, Jesus is our high priest who represents us to God and God to us and is the bridge between us. Isn't that amazing? And that's for each and every one of us. But in this moment in the story, we see how Moses and the people, they get a bit of a choice. God says to them, I'm going to give you the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. But on the face of it, you might think, it's not a bad deal, you know? We won't have the intimacy of God's presence that he's, you know, promised us and that he wanted, but... We're still going to get the promised land. You know, we've been slaves for hundreds of years. We've got the the promised land, you know. That's like winning the World Cup, the promised land. His protection. We can still enjoy all the benefits and blessings of that just without the actual relationship. And in some ways, this is a little bit of a test of their hearts. What are they really in it for? 
like our caller at the start? Do they want that genuine friendship to be with God? And they want to do life together and partner together through thick and thin and be a part of this rescue? Or is it just a blessing and the benefits that they're after? It reminds me of some moments in Jesus' life where the crowds were following him. And it was exciting to be in the crowd watching Jesus, hearing him teach in new ways, seeing exciting miracles and healings. Maybe you experienced one yourself if you're in the when Jesus fed the 5,000, you get a free lunch, some bread and fish. Who loves it when you go to an event and a buffet's been put on? You weren't expecting it. Love it. But then we see the next day, the crowds, they came and found Jesus. And Jesus turned to them and said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. That's Jesus. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then Jesus goes on to have a conversation with the crowd about what God had called him to do and who he was and what he was doing in this world. And then we see the reaction. It says this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And so many enjoyed hanging around Jesus and seeing the excitement and the fun, but then some of those actually chose to do life with him and to stick with him. Or here's another one that Luke records, which is well known, similar. It says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God, and he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done, and this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. So for us today, as we look at this moment of choice, I feel like there's a challenge in there for us. The less continue to value Jesus for who Jesus is, that in our lives, more than anything else, it's Jesus that we want to do life with Jesus, to be with him, to follow him, to put his word into practice, and to be a part of his purpose in our world. And we've experienced many amazing blessings from Jesus in our lives. Individually, we all have our different stories. And together as a church, isn't it a great thing to be a part of church and all the blessings that come with it? The fun that we have with each other, the friendships that we have, the support and kindness shown to one another since, you know, me and Precious have been expecting. We've had no end of offers of help and it's amazing. We pray for one another. We see healings, miracles, answers to prayer, 
We know God's peace in our lives, in small group, where we get round one another and we help one another and we encourage one another and we're there for one another. In this building here in venue two, where we get to enjoy meeting together. I remember the early days back when the church was planted and we were going from one community center to another and there was smashed windows and your car might get broken into during the meeting. That's why we had to invent a car park rotor. There was one room for all the Sunday schools, so all the kids, well, like four of us, but we were all in together, whatever the age is. People had to get there early to set up all the equipment, and it was really ropey. And now, you know, we have this, we have an amazing band, and the media, and the sound team, and the camera team who work so hard to serve us, so we can have break times of worship, and we can do fun things for visuals for children, like Christie's Kids Spot, and we've got different rooms and resources, and even during COVID, because we have such a big building, we could continue to meet even with the restrictions, and even when we, we weren't allowed to sing, we could still be together. And that gave us just the tiniest opportunity to appreciate, just in the smallest glimpse, what it's like for Christians across the world who are persecuted and have to meet in secret and whisper because they can't raise their voice, and they have to steal moments just to be with one another. We think, wow, we really are blessed. We really are blessed. So when we see this moment and we see Moses and the people, and it's a question of what did they really want? Let that be a reminder to us that as we enjoy these blessings, as we do in our hearts, let's remember who it is and what we want first, that it's all about Jesus, being with Jesus, doing life with Jesus, in his presence, meeting with him, loving him, following him, together, in every season, whatever the cost, we want to be with Jesus. Let's not be like that caller at the start. If Jesus says, are you free? Well, what for? No, I'm in. I'm all in. Whatever you say, let's do it together. So what about Moses and the people? What did they decide? Well, it says this, when the people heard the news, that God wasn't, was saying, you can go, but I'm not going with you. It says that they mourned, that they mourned. And Moses, he goes back to God and says this. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may, continue to me, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go and I will give you rest. And I think Moses, he had a lot of practice negotiating with Pharaoh. And he's bringing all those skills now to God. And he starts off and he says, don't worry about them, Ephes. Are you going to go with me? <laughs> you said you found favor. Are you going to come with me? And these words here, favor and please, the actual word, when you see this all through, is the actual word, it's grace. You said, I found grace in your eyes. You've got grace with me. Like, are you going to go with me? And God says, I will go. And then Moses, now, he, he ups it. He asks for a bit more this time. And he comes back and says this. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. 
because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And Moses goes on to have this amazing encounter with God. And out of God's grace, he renews the covenant with them. And they go on together. So in this moment, we see how Moses and the people are in a place of moving on. They're moving on to the promised land. And it's a question of how will they go? And we see their answer. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. They weren't satisfied with the promised land alone. However great, they didn't want it without God's presence. We want to be with you. And for us as a church, we're in a moment of moving on in our journey. Tonight we've got the commissioning with Julian and Sarah. Julian going on to work full-time with New Wine Cymru, serving churches across Wales in that apostolic role and calling. And Sarah being the senior leader of Cornerstone. For us, we can be encouraged that this reflects our heart as a church to respond to Jesus' calling. That we say, you know, wherever you move, we want to move with you. And then in this instance, God's calling us to give out and to be generous and to serve what he's doing in the nation, in his bigger picture, to release Julian, to be able to strengthen and bless other churches across Wales and for us to support what God wants to do. And I love that, our response. You know, we're not wanting to hoard everything to ourselves, but we're excited to be a part of God's bigger picture and plan for this nation and what he wants to do, to be outward-looking. And that's been our heart right from the start, to be outward-looking, whether that's serving other churches, you know, when we've hosted conference, or even like last week with all the team working so hard to, to host that so event and what they were doing, or whether through serving the community, that we have a heart to be a church that's accessible, to do all that we can to make the goodness and love of Jesus accessible to people who've never known it before, even when it, we may put down our preferences to serve others who are new, who is brand new too, so that they can know that they're welcome and that they can experience Jesus for themselves. Or so things like pre-COVID, when we did Mission to Wales, and we went out into the streets to share faith with people and to pray for people. And that took us out of our comfort zones, didn't it? That took us out of our comfort zones. But we felt there was God, something God was calling us to do and it was significant. And you were willing to do it first. You were willing to do it first. To model it as an example for churches across the nation. And what an amazing thing that was when nearly 5,000 people said yes to Jesus on the streets and that we prayed for many, many more, and you were willing to go first. And so today, let's look into our hearts again as we step into this new season, and let's come to Jesus and say, Jesus, wherever we go next, whatever is in this season, let's go with you. We're not just in it for the blessings, or that we love them and we celebrate them, we love and have a good time together, but we want you. We want to host your presence we want to walk in your purpose, and we want to do life together. Are you on board with that? Yeah? So should we pray? And let's make that prayer 
our prayer this morning. Why don't you stand with me and let's just take a moment to open our hearts and I just want to encourage you just to pray your own prayer, your own prayer of response to Jesus right now. Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that you invite us to partner with you and to know your presence in our lives because you want to bring your blessing to our world. And what a privilege it is to join with you. And so, Jesus, we come together this morning as your people in this, in our little church together, Cornerstone, as we want to follow you together. And we pray and ask that you would lead us into the things that you have with us. And we make the choice to say, Jesus, we want to go with you. So, Holy Spirit, I invite your presence now. Come and fill us again. Speak to our hearts. And lead us into your calling. Bless us with your presence. And help us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.